This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, our ushers would gladly get you a Bible. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And it's probably going to take me a little time to get there this morning. Just get your hand up real high, then we're going to Mark chapter 6 again. We're, we'll still be on our series here in a minute. You know, um, probably now it's been about 12 days ago, I think. And um, I, I started in here praying one day, and the Lord really, really began to impression on my heart. And he would kept using this word called sloth or slothful. And he said that uh, our nation has become a very slothful nation. So, man, I, I got back into my office there, my study, and I began to look up everything I could about the word sloth. And it means lazy. It means sluggish. One of the definitions of the word sloth literally meant to shrink, and it meant to shrink in an area of diligence. And the Lord really put on my heart, and he said, the problem with this sloth it has crept into the church. And I don't know about you, but it really bothered me, that thought. And so I'm going to ask you some questions right now just to help you to move through this. Why do you come to church? Do you know God? Do you, do you know the Word of God? How about this? When's the last time you experienced God? When's the last time you encountered God? Because I can go to church and I can know God in a, in a way. I can know his word, but still never experience him. And so I said within me, Lord, move within my heart. I, I want a passion. I don't, I don't want to just go through the motions. I, I really want to come and worship you from my heart. And so even on this line, one of the reasons I'm saying this right now, is what would happen even before we got into the word today if we just gave God permission and say, Lord, I ask you to speak through me today through the word of God. I ask the word of God to come alive within me today. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your head right here and let's just pray. Father God, we welcome you. We welcome you to move in this entire service today. The Lord, again, we give you our hearts we welcome a passion to praise you, to adore you. And Father God, if there's any area of sloth that's within us, Lord, we, we repent of it, remove the laziness, remove the sluggish. And Father God, the areas that I've shrunk in my diligence toward you, make there be a change of heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's the deal, guys. If you don't fight this, It'll, it'll just be like a cloud that's going to come over us. And I don't know about you, but I, I do not like the direction our nation's in so we can stand day after day and we can whine and we can powder. We can get up and say, you know what? We're going to be the church of the Lord and Savior Jesus, the church where he said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. All right, well, we're on our final week, possibly, of our 7 times 70 series. And every one of us in here, we have scars on our soul and from our, on our, even our heart 
from hurts and pains in this life that people have caused us. Every one of us. And sometimes even when it comes to the hurts in our lives, we have this thought, time will heal it. Time won't always heal this, okay? And we have this thought that sometimes my, my hurts and my pains, well, they'll just supernaturally go away. They'll just dissolve. But I think about this when I see people physically that may have a limp, they walk with a limp, it's very obvious that something's happened in their life, whether they, they broke a bone, they've had some ligament or cartilage damage, or they wouldn't walk with that limp. But I have this thought, how many people in here right now, we limp emotionally? And, and when I limp even emotionally, that limp emotionally affects me physically and affects me spiritually. And so the reason I say this is I believe God wants all of us to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. But there's things I got to do to help that. I, I, I got to get over and, man, I got to do it God's way. And so many times our view of treatment when I limp emotionally is the first thing is we deny it. We live in a state of denial that I, I really don't have this pain because when I just denied it, it seems like it's better. Maybe that highlights you, you're living in denial today. The second area that I see very common is we begin to play the blame game. It's not my fault. And I, I go back to Genesis 3 with the story of Adam and Eve. And remember when God put them in the, uh, the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, he said, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat of it. But of that one tree, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, don't eat it. Because on the day you eat it, you'll die. Now, why would God put that one tree in there? Was it a form of punishment? No. It was God's way of saying, I've given every one of you that I created a self-will. It's the, it's the ability to choose. And so we know in that passage of Scripture that Adam and Eve did exactly opposite of what God told them to do. They didn't die physically, but they lived a death-like existence. In Romans 6.23 it says, the wages of sin or the, comp uh, the, the consequences of sin is death. And so when we read through that passage there, God shows up in the garden and he says to Adam, why are you hiding? Why do we hide as human beings? We hide because we have a guilty conscience or a sin conscience. It's one of the ways we know inwardly I've crossed the line that I shouldn't have. And so God says to Adam, why are you hiding? God knew why he was hiding. So why did God ask him that question? God gave Adam the ability to choose, will I confess my sin before Father God? And it's the same areas as God gives me and you. Will I confess my sin? Will I confess my, my unforgiveness? And so when we go back to Adam, when God says, why are you hiding? You remember what Adam said? 
because of that woman. Immediately, he blames the woman. It's not my fault. It's the woman's fault. And then the next thing he said, it's not just the woman's fault. It's the woman you gave me fault. Now you're talking about an arrogant soul. When you get over in your life and you begin to try to blame God for your choices. And then he goes to the woman Eve and he says, why were you hiding? And she says, the devil made me do it. So we see some areas of blame here that begin to take place. I wouldn't be in this predicament if it wasn't for you. So I must never allow you to make me responsible for your choices. Let me say that again. I must never allow you to make me responsible for your choices. Every one of us have a choice of this thing called a free will. And when I try to defend or make excuses in my life, whether it's for my sins or the unforgiveness that I hold toward other people, I separate myself from the fellowship with God. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known, speaking about the Lord Jesus. Now the reason his name had become well known is everywhere Jesus was going, people were getting healed and devils were leaving them. And so this guy named Herod, who was the big wig, he hears about Jesus' name and he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. Second Kings, Elijah goes over and over as the man of God. And others said, it is the prophet or one like the prophet. But when Herod heard this, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Now this guy named Herod, he's fully convinced John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And it's interesting here, he said, the same John the Baptist that I beheaded. Now let's go a little farther and we'll answer some of those questions. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John, and he bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. So what happens here is Herod seduces his brother Philip's wife to divorce Philip and he would, he would divorce his wife and those two would get married. Now I sit there and I begin to, th uh, to think about this. This is one of those stories that when you get caught at the line at Walmart and it's real slow, you see stuff like this on the National Enquirer. Just some crazy stuff. So what happens here is John points out his sin to him. Verse 18, because John said to Herod, it is not lawful you to have your brother's wife. So John tells him the truth. 
John tells him that is seeing what you're doing. And because that he reveals the sin, Herod gets mad. And it's like he takes offense, but he shouldn't have taken offense because literally John was making it a defense because the judgment of God. So how do I respond when somebody tells me the truth? Do I get mad? Do I get upset? Watch verse 19. Therefore, Herodotus held it against him. Now, this is an interesting statement here. It literally means she held a grudge against him. It means that she held a bitter grudge against him. Have you ever held a bitter grudge against somebody else? Now, if I don't deal with the bitter grudge in a godly manner or a biblical manner, watch what takes place. And she wanted to kill him. She began to plot, I will kill him. Let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted someone who you felt like did you wrong Had you ever wanted to kill them? Or were you ever against, if they died, you would celebrate that? See, this is where this woman, Herodias, is at. And and the word grudge here, in the Greek, it means to hold on to. It means to endure. It means to entangle with the very person that we won't forgive. And so what begins to happen is we become subject to the very person that we hold unforgiveness against. And this is what's going on with her. That's why in these areas I cannot miss or resist God's truth to unforgiveness in my life. It's a tragedy when we do. Now a couple things with unforgiveness. When I forgive someone, that doesn't mean I'm going to have amnesia. When I forgive someone, that's not a covenant of weakness. But when I forgive someone, it's telling Father God, I no longer have in my heart retaliation or revenge. And remember last week, when we get to that place, we turn vengeance over to God. Because remember, God said, vengeance is mine. Verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him, and when he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. So the real issue here was this woman he married. So let me paraphrase here a little bit. She had a 12-year-old daughter that was having a birthday party. Herod said to her, he said, I'll give you whatever you want for your birthday. And so she goes and tells her mama, he said he'd give me anything I wanted. What do you think I ought to ask? And she said, tell him to bring John the Baptist's head on a platter to me. Think about this. They beheaded John. Have any of you ever seen anyone beheaded? I've never seen anyone beheaded. Now, I've seen some pictures of it. I I can't even imagine. So 
they behead John the Baptist. And the little servant boy comes in with John's head on a platter. And he says, here's the head. And it specifically says in the word of God, she took John the Baptist's head on the platter and she gave it to her mother. Have you ever wanted to behead someone? Wow. See what you begin to see here the power of unforgiveness. Now, go with me into the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. And it's, it's going to take me a little while to get here, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase part of the, the Bible here for us today. And I pray this comes alive to you, all right? You're going to Genesis 41. So we study the, the history of the nation of Israel. It comes from the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. If you ever study the 12 tribes of Judah, I mean the 12 tribes of Israel, those were his sons. Do you know those are still in operation in Israel? You can look at a map and see all the different tribes still. Jacob had the 12 sons. The 11th son was one named Joseph. When Joseph was 17, he had this incredible dream. The problem when we have incredible dreams that come from God, God doesn't want you to always share that with everybody, okay? Sometimes there's dreams that God puts in your heart that are only between you and God. But he's 17. And in the dream, he sees all 11 of his brothers and his father bowing before him. And he thinks it's his job to go tell his 10 older brothers, Hey, fellas, the day's coming when you're going to bow before me. Now, I can, I can envision this a little bit. I don't believe they picked him up and threw him in there and said, Woohoo, yes, little brother's going to rule over us. They didn't celebrate it. Actually, they got so upset with it that they threw him into a pit. And, and every one of us have pits in our lives, places we never meant to be. How many of you have ever been in a place you never meant to be? And so several of his brothers wanted to kill him. But one named Judah said, boys, we're not going to kill him. We can't kill him. We can't do that to him. And so instead of killing him, it's just my Bible falling apart. Instead of killing him, they sell him as a slave. And they sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. And so he gets to a place in his life what I call a what-if season in my life. What if I would have never got thrown in the pit? What if I would have never been sold to the Ishmaelites? Ultimately, he lands at a man named Potiphar's house in Egypt. Potiphar was a high-ranking official. 
Joseph begins to serve, and the favor of God is upon him so much, even as a slave, that he excels unbelievably. But he's got one problem. Potiphar's wife, Miss Potiphar, she's got the hots for him. She likes him, not just as a friend. And so Joseph, being a man of God, he looks at Ms. Potiphar and he says, I can't sin against God. One of the most incredible statements in that passage, I can't sin against God. He didn't say, I can't sin against you, Ms. Potiphar. I can't sin against your husband. Understand this. Anytime me and you sin, it's against Father God. Psalms uh, 51, King David said that. Only against you have I sinned. So he tells her, I'm not going to get over and sin. But one day, he winds up in the house where it's just him and Miss Potiphar. Not good. Can I tell you a little secret on this? If you're married, don't be caught in another room with somebody other than your wife, okay, or your husband. And if you're not married and you're young in here, do what Joseph did. The Bible said he fleed. 1 Corinthians 6, flee sexual immorality. Flee. He didn't flirt with it. He didn't have the thought, you know what, I, I can hang out with Miss Potiphar for a little bit and everything will be okay. Don't kid yourself. And so because of this, He's falsely accused for doing something he never did. And ultimately, he ends up in prison. Another what-if season of my life. What if I would have never uh, been around Miss Potiphar? What if I would have never thrown, been thrown in prison? So God has blessed him with this incredible gift that he could interpret dreams. And ultimately, he interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And before long, this same Joseph becomes the second in command in the nation of Egypt. Thirteen years after he was sold as a slave. Thirteen years. Now, the reason I highlight that is Stuff can stew and stuff can marinate on the inside of you in 13 years. Big time. And so the very first day that he becomes uh, this law or this royalty in the nation, his chariot driver pulls up to his house. And he says, Joseph, what's on the agenda the first day at work? And Joseph pulls out this little book and says, I got a hit list. I got a payback list. And he said, the very first stop, let's go to Miss Potiphar's house. And after we leave Miss Potiphar's house, let's go to the palace because there's a butler in there who caused me a lot of pain also. Do you have a hit list? Do you have a payback list? And paraphrasing this, Nine years later, 
those older brothers stroll into his life. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. Now let me break this down for you, really help you. He's now 39 years old. 22 years later, there's a lot that can go on the inside of you in 22 years. Not only is there some marinating, there becomes some boiling on the inside. Genesis 41. Let me put my Bible back together here. Genesis 41. Oh boy, where are we at? I'm missing one chapter here. Sorry, guys. I usually have my Bible organized. But it's falling apart. Let me see here, Shelly. Genesis 41. Verse number 50. Genesis 41, verse 50. During the time before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of the Pharaoh, priest of On. Now watch this. Verse 51. Joseph named his older son Manasseh. Now when they named children names in the Old Testament, They didn't name them names because it was cool. They named them names because there was significant attached to it. The name Manasseh literally meant forgetful. Listen what this says. For God has made me forget all my toil. For God has made me forget all my toil. The word toil means hardship, troubles, pain. And he goes on to say, and all my father's house, everyone in my father's family. He said, now, God has made me forget. It didn't say that he took a a class at the local community college and got a a, a one-on-one class on forgiveness. He said, God has made me forget all the toil in my life and in my family's house. He didn't deny there was toil. And he wasn't exempt from toil. But the, little, the literal translation right here says, the grace of God removed the sting of bitterness from his heart. So you know what took place? God removed any form of revenge or retaliation against his brothers. So you know what I see right here? He, he quit watching old reruns of his past hurts on the inner screen of his heart. He quit watching those very things that had, had, had the opportunity to bring a sting to him. Actually, 
God uh, delivered him from the paralysis of his past. Now I want you to think on this. For 29 years, there could have been an incredible inner anger. Something that boiled on the inside of him. And he could have lived with a constant irritability. Something that rubbed him wrong day by day by day. And when that begins to happen, when I live with this inner anger and that constant irritability, oftentimes it leads to even forms of depression. But it said here, God made him forget. God pulled that sting out from him. A couple weeks ago, we were around a person. Me and Shelly both know him. She knows him a little better than me. And he began to reveal this story. That he got married at a young age. Had a little girl at a young age. But because of a life of drugs, it ended in divorce. And his words were, I was never around for that young daughter. And he said, one night, she called me and said, Dad, I I need to get out of my mom's house. Things aren't good. Can I come stay at your house? And he said, absolutely, you can stay at my house. He said, "I'm, I'm out of town for work. One of my friends is at the house. But you're more than welcome to go over there and stay. Fast forward a couple years. This guy is tried and he is sentenced to go to prison for drugs. Not just prison. He's sentenced to federal prison. A couple days before he's to be sentenced and go and start doing his time, his young daughter shows up at his house. She's She's 15-ish. She said, Dad, you remember the night I asked if I could come over to your house? He said, yeah. And she said, the night I went there, that friend of yours that was staying in there raped me. So now not only is he going to prison... He has this on the inside of him. Time out. Just think about something. All you daddies in the room. What would your reaction be if they told you that? I'm no holier than any of you. I can tell you my reaction. It wouldn't have been good. So he goes to prison. Day by day, week by week, month by month, now year by year, he starts and says, the day I get out of here, I'm going to kill him. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to hunt him down and I'm going to kill him. Now these inner vows that we make become so life-changing. It's, it's almost like something roots in us and he says, I'm going to kill him. 
I put myself in the picture there and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. But somewhere in the time, from the time he gets out of prison until he's walking as a free man, he gets born again. Jesus becomes Lord of his life. And the people or person that led him to the Lord says, once you give your heart to Jesus like you did, you've got to forgive some people. Well, how many of you, when you hear stuff like that, do you say, I didn't sign up for that part? How many of you didn't hear when you got born again, you realize, I got to forgive some people? That hurt me, that wounded me. And so the process of forgiveness began to take place in this guy. And he said, one night he's at a convenience store and he looks across the counter and there's the guy who raped his daughter. He said, now you're talking about the rubber hitting the road. Now what do you do? I've talked about forgiveness and I've said, Father God, I've, but actually what do I do? And at that moment, he fleed. He got out of there. Fast forward now. This guy is happily married. He's doing incredible. He's serving God. He never killed the guy. Two slants off of that story. When he tells the story of the man who raped his daughter, we know who that man is. I know who he is. And I've found out in life now with this thing called sin that if people aren't confronted with it, they'll do it again. Now, I don't know that. The second slant off of this story is there's a group of ladies here from our church that every Monday they go to Lubbock Detention Center and they, min they, they minister to women in our county jail. Within the last few months, that guy's daughter who had been raped, she was in their pod. And they got a minister to love a God to her. And my wife got to tell that guy the story about what God was doing in his daughter's heart. And he became so moved God is still in the business of helping people forget where it pulls that sting out of their heart and it goes on to say in verse 52 and the name of the second he called Ephraim which meant fruitfulness for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God is still in the business of making people forget and God is still in the business of causing people to be fruitful in the very land where you were hurt. When I do it God's way. So this guy named Joseph, he doesn't go from the pit to the prison to the palace to be caught up in this endless cycle of revenge. He could have got bitter but he chose to get better. So I got to fast forward this. 
Joseph's brothers thinks he's being kind to him as long as their daddy's alive. But when daddy dies, he's going to get us. But in Genesis 50, you know what? You know what the word of God says? Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God turned it to good. And right there, you know what I see? He didn't deny what my brothers meant. It was for evil. And so the same with us. The very things that, that have hurt us, yes, it was meant for evil. But our God is in the business of turning it to good when I do it God's way. Turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Oh, get ready, get ready, get ready. I want you to see these scriptures here. I got two of them left real quick. Romans chapter 8, and then I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. Romans 8, verse 28. Woo, mark this one. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And all things work together for those who love God. For good. Now I can stand here and I can tell you I love you, but the only way that my love is really shown is the Lord Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, obey me. I love you, Father God, but I don't want to obey you. See, it's big in America right now. I want to love you, Father God, but I want to do it my own way. That's not how it goes. But when I love God and I obey God and I do it God's way, ooh, he turns things to good. And it says, he turns it to good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. It didn't say his goal was to make you happy, but it did say that he would fulfill his purpose in your life even in hardship, even in suffering, even when you're wrongly treated, God will go to work in the midst of such situations and God has the ability to turn it to good. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you're turning there, your personal tragedies, your hurts, your wrongs, your pains, they don't have to become your identity. These are events that happen in your life, but they're not who you are. See, I cannot form my identity around the injustices that have taken place because those will begin to shape your identity instead of God. Now watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how do you get in Christ? You've got to give Jesus your heart and say, Lord, I, I welcome you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. When I get born again, that's the starting point. And something begins to change in my identity where that's that old man. How many of you got an old man? I got an old man. He's no more. I'm, I'm a new creation. My identity now is in Christ Jesus. And he makes all things work together for good. See, I don't have to live as a victim. I can live as a victor through Jesus Christ. Just stand up right here where you're at.
You know what I found out about unforgiveness? It'll poison your present and it'll contaminate your future. I'm going to ask you some things here today. Do you need to give Jesus your heart today? Do you need to get born again? Do you need Jesus to come into your heart? This is the only way you become a new creation reality. I got to give Jesus my heart. And maybe you need to make a, a, a fresh commitment and say, Father God, I've strayed. I need to come back home like the prodigal now. If that's you, we welcome you. I say we as a church, we welcome you. It's a good day. Amen. If there's anyone in here right now that you make your way down to the altar, just be bold. down here. There's one right there. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anybody else? I applaud your courage. I applaud it. You know what, guys? I'm not, I'm not going to move any farther until we, we lead him to let Jesus be in his heart like the Bible talks about. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if we would confess Jesus as Lord, he would come into our heart and save us. So here's the deal. I can't do that for you and you can't do that for me. It's, it's the, 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 the free will of choice. So today you get to say, oh Lord, I choose you to come into my heart. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And you say this, I, I, I welcome every one of us to say this. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And on July 4th of 2021, I not only received Jesus as Lord, but I received my independence. I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And make me this new creation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ooh, we ought to be excited. Yes, Jesus. Now I'm not done, okay? I want you to bow your head with me. Is there anyone in your heart right now that you have sentenced? that you have imprisoned with your unforgiveness. I don't do this very often, but I'm, I'm going to get real specific here because I, I've had the Lord, when He sits on me and He sits on me and I can't get away from it, I know He's really wanting me to move in this area today. If you're here today, And you have murder in your heart towards someone. I'm going to ask you to be a man or woman because the Lord wants to set you free today. Listen, don't ever underestimate the grace of God in the area of forgiveness. Now, when I respond to him in these areas, his grace is going to come in here. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. 
If you have murder in your heart toward a person, I'm going to ask you to come out. We're not going to throw stones at you guys. I'm just telling you right now, we're here to watch Jesus. say, If that's you today, and just as it took my brother here a big step, I welcome you to say, that's me today. And, and the Lord has spoken to me and spoken to me. The ones that will respond to this, I'm going to move in the area of I'm going to cause them to, to walk in this forgetfulness where that sting of bitterness, that sting of murder is taken out of them. And if you think about it in Genesis 41, the order it went in, I can't be fruitful until I deal with my past. Is that you? I welcome you right now. Come on. Here they come. Woo, thank you. Thank you for obeying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm just telling you this right now, guys. The Lord spoke to me and he said they'll be in both services. Listen, I, I, I want people to come down here. If you're part of our prayer team, come down here. We're going to surround in this area. Come on, Daddy. God, God's going to work here today, guys. This, this is the last Sunday on this, and I believe God's wanting to move. He's wanting to set free. He's wanting to heal. This doesn't mean you're a bad person, guys. That's why I told the story about that guy. His life is blessed. Father God, all these that are here today, Come on, guys, there's still more coming. You know, guys, I never I, I never believe church is a spectator sport. I welcome you to stretch your hands out toward them. Hey, Ricky, you and Debbie, sure, would you come down here and pray? I got another one down here. We need people here. I, I want every one of them surrounded. If that's you, you're not too late, okay? Jesus, God's doing something here. Father God, Lord, right now, we thank you for the, the move of the Holy Spirit here. And Lord, every one of these that are down here, male, female, husband, wife, Father God, that through your great uh, grace and mercy today, that you would literally remove the sting of not only bitterness, but the sting of murder around ones that have hurt, that have caused pain today. Now you ones that are down here right now, say, Father God, I ask you to grace me. Take that sting out of my heart. Move within me, Lord, in that area of forgetful. Father God, I ask you to grace me today that I walk in victory in the land, the city, the arena of my affliction today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, here's what I sense. We're going to let our team sing here. Ooh, let, let's just soak in this. Let's say, Father God, work this in me. Work with it. Go ahead, God. Sing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.